Welcome to the Project Unchained podcast, where my special guests and I help you break free from the chains that hold you back from life's greatest experiences. The goal of this podcast is to educate people on self-care modalities that can and will improve your life if you commit to doing them. An effective self-care regimen is the single most important thing that you can do for yourself to have a more extraordinary life experience. I'm your host, Ross Leppola, and I've spent the past several years of my life on a journey of healing and self-care after living my first 28 years chained down by my own limiting thoughts and beliefs. Now, I'm here to share what I've learned with you to empower you to break free from the chains that hold you back from your unlimited potential. Let's get unchained. When you were lost in the woods, you were misunderstood by everyone, everyone. You were searching for words, but they came out absurd. And no one heard you, no one heard you speak. Your mind, they lost the Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Project Unchained podcast. I'm your host, Ross Lepola. Today, I'm super excited to bring on to the show special guest, Jim Vance. Had a really awesome conversation with Jim. It was really cool. There's a lot of really cool similarities between his journey and my journey and a lot of connections. And what's important, I think, too, to connect with is that there's, while these similarities are between us, we and I feel that there's a lot of similarities between our stories and a lot of people, especially the men out there. Jim is a masculinity coach, really helps men all over the world reconnect to themselves so that they can show up in life more conscious and more powerfully. It was really cool to have this conversation with him to to think about the different roadblocks and the way that I've shown up in my life and how I've cultivated and changed things and how similar those things are that show up with a lot of his clients and the way that us men in particular tend to operate and we're very analytical, very much in our heads and we make up these different stories and, you know, let's just, let's just save that for the show because (laughs) this is just an intro. Let's, uh, let's dive into it without further ado, Jim Vance, y'all. All right, Jim, how you doing, man? Welcome to Project Unchained. How you doing today? Doing great, man. I appreciate you asking me to come on here. Yeah, man. I'm excited to dive in. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. I know we, we tried to get on a couple of weeks back and my internet decided to not be good, so hopefully it cooperates <laughs> yeah, with us today. You know technology. It's technology is a beautiful thing. Yep, it it is. So we start out with a little intro. Who is Jim Vance? Where are you from? What do you do? You know, that kind of stuff. Awesome, man. Uh, so I'm from Georgia in the United States. Uh, what do I do? I work with men. So I work with men all around the world. I help men be seen finally. You know, I, th- I think there's a lot of men that just, they stopped looking at themselves and they started looking at everybody else and they, they forgot that they're people too. And, and help them kind of rediscover who they are in their life and like step into that power, step into that purpose and step into the life that they know they wanted. It's just, they felt they had to give it to other people. So they felt more fulfilled. Gotcha. Gotcha. What brought you into that kind of stuff and that kind of line of work? (laughs) I assume you didn't just start Uh, there from when you were 
graduated from high school. <laughs> no, man. I, so, you know, I, I come from a, a crazy background. I'm, I'm a little bit, um, I sound a little bit country, but I come from the, I come from the streets. Okay. Uh, I come from a very impoverished family. Um, I was the only kid in my family, that, only person in my family to go to college. Um, and as a kid, I was, you know, I went through a lot. Just growing up where I did, growing up how I did, I was left to figure it out on my own a lot. And I was a very inquisitive person. I was talking to my wife about this the other day. Like, I remember asking my parents at like nine and 10 years old, like, what's the purpose of this life? Like, what's, what are we doing? And my parents thought I was crazy as hell. <laughs> and so I was, I've been in self-discovery mode for a long time, but also been in self-defeat mode because as a kid, you know, you grow up, I was not, I was a very overweight kid. Okay. Probably up until high school. Like I, I found a weight room in high school, but I was a very overweight kid. So I was picked on, bullied by my parents, by my brothers, by by my by people at school, everybody my whole life. And so I was kind of an outcast until I changed that that's out of me. But being that outcast, you develop all the stories, all the beliefs. But I also I developed a like a, a fuck you mindset in that like you think I can't do, so I will show you what I can do type of mindset. And that's kind of been what's pushed me to be great because my parents were never um, very supportive of me being great in life because they thought I would leave them. Hmm. And because of that, I was always trying to gain their approval by being great. Uh, I mean, I have multiple degrees and multiple successes because of just wanting them to say they're proud of me. And so I, I spent a lifetime chasing that ghost until they both passed. And when they passed, it was like a weight off my shoulder. I had, I got to stop chasing. Gotcha. And I carried all this this baggage. I have a lot, you know, not good enoughness and abandonment and all that kind of stuff. Like I carried that into about every relationship I was in. It destroyed my first marriage, and it all. I mean, it almost got to my second marriage because I hadn't healed all the way through it yet. Right. Um, but the reason why I got to the men's work is I got to a point after I got divorced thir- 14 years ago. Um, and in that divorce, I was homeless for about nine months. Um, because where I, where I live, I had to provide a place for my kids to live. And I was a teacher at the time. <laughs> so teachers don't make shit for money. And so I, I was given, I had them a house to live in, but I had no house to live in because I had no money. So, I lived in my car and taught. I stayed in the parking lot of the school I taught at. So I would um, teach, go sleep in my car, wake up, take a shower at the school, and, and start teaching again. So that's kind of how I lived my, my my life for nine months. But being by myself for nine months, you look a lot. Of, you look at yourself a lot. Yeah. You know, and so I, I started to take really a big introspective look at who I was being that kept creating the same scenarios over and over in my life. And I mean, this is before I read a lot and it was before I'd um, done a ton of work, but I, I just started to see patterns that I was tired of looking at Yeah, with relationships. Cause I just wanted to be, I just wanted to find love for myself. 
but I was trying to find it through people a lot. Yeah. And so in that spot for about nine months, um, it was, a, it was hard. It was rough. I had a mentor at that time that I worked with. It was a psychologist. Um, we taught together and he, he was like, three things are going to happen to you, Jim. <laughs> you're going to, you're going to get addicted to drinking. You're going to get addicted to a substance. You're going to get addicted to women, or you're going to get addicted to work. And, um, I got addicted to two to three. Right. And, uh, I, I got addicted to work. I probably worked like 16 hours a day and then I would get, I, I would have substance from time to time, but it was more, my addiction was to work myself blind. So I didn't have to think anymore. Yeah. Um, and in that period, I just, I grew a lot. And then I kind of just set out focus and intention on what I wanted for myself, what I wanted for a relationship, what I wanted for life. And I still had to go through some pains because the one thing I know is like, I can do all the work by myself, but when I get in a relationship with people, there's more work to be done. And I found that out the hard way with my wife because she was about 10 steps ahead of me. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And so I wanted to peep, I wanted to, and also during that time I, I was homeless, my dad died. So I lost my, the guy that I looked up to the most and I had nobody to talk to, I had nobody to turn to. And I, and I didn't want, the one thing that I know is I never wanted another friend of mine to ever feel that way. Like they were without somebody, like somebody to lean on, somebody to talk to, somebody in their corner, somebody that can shine a light in the darkness. And that kind of pushed me into being more of a, a helping hand to people. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's, there's a lot there to start trying to dive into. <laughs> yeah. Um, thinking, thinking about going, going a little further back earlier on into your story, you mentioned that, you know, you were, you were a kid in, you, you know, you sound country, but you're, you're from the streets. Yes. Um, what uh, what are some things in in that part of your life that you had to that you experienced that kind of shaped some of these beliefs of trying to seek approval through other people? Uh, I think that made me a fighter. Um, me and my brother, we had to we would walk to school even all the way through high school. We would walk home from school. We walked through. We had to walk through a bad neighborhood every day to come home, and every day. I'd say probably for a couple months, we would, we would, there was an attempt at robbery. So it was either you fight or you get robbed. Wow. And so we, we would fight every day and you just look, you, you become a fighter. Like you, you stand up for your family and we stood up for each other and we weren't going to allow somebody to just plow over us in life. And so, um, you just became a fighter. You became a little bit more, a little bit more grit in life. Like when you go through things like that, I mean, living in poverty, I'm like, I had a family, my family, we have four in there. So my dad, me, my brother and my mom, and we had, our family income was like 12,000 bucks. Right. Not a lot. Yeah. And so we are, everything was built around like, how tough can you be? How, how much can you keep moving forward even though it still fucking sucks every day? 
And so, you know, growing up in the street, seeing things the way I saw it, it also gave me a lot of freedom because I got to explore a lot more. I got to um, meet all kinds of people. Right. I, I just wasn't associated with people that were one way this way or one way that way. It was a, an assortment. Right. And in that assortment, you meet all kinds and then you learn how to relate to all people. You like, and I think that's a, a skill set I learned in that is being able to, everybody's people are just people. Right. And they all, everybody's looking for the same thing. What's that? Everybody just wants, everybody just wants one thing. Everybody just wants to be loved. Everybody just wants to be understood. And a lot of times in life, a lot of people don't get, they don't have the opportunity to mingle with a plethora of different types of people to realize that we're all the same. We're just looking for the same thing. And so when you get to have that opportunity at a young age where you're not just looking at one type of person all the time. You're looking at everybody. You're looking at the smorgasbord of life. Um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And you get to see why people move, why they do the things they do, what they're doing, who they're being, all that kind of stuff. And you, you might not have conscious awareness of it in the moment as a kid. But as you gain distance from it, you're like, dang, like I experienced a lot without ever notice, noticing I experienced a lot. Right. How does that, how did that like manifest, I guess, in your life or be a problem? Like you see this thing that everybody wants the same thing, yet you're, you're seemingly reaching for it and not able to grasp it. Like you're not able to cultivate that acceptance and love that, that you seek. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's like um, this uh, knowing I got late in my life. I'm 44, um, about to turn 45. And, and so in this last 10 years or so, I had this understanding that God created me perfectly in some way, shape, or form. In his mind, it was perfect. The world tells me that I need to find a better version of me. And so I go seeking for that in the world. Mm-hmm. Instead of like going here and understanding who I am as already that and growing that person. And like I chase women, I chase success, I chase um, approval because my parents didn't, that just wasn't on the top of their mind. That's how they were raised. I didn't understand that as a kid. Now I do. And, you know, and, they had their own shit they were dealing with. They were doing the best they could with, with the resources that they had. I mean, my mom, my mom lost both her parents when she was like 14 years old. She had to raise a brother and sister from 14 years old and up. Mm-hmm. And my dad, my dad was a, a product of 13 kids and he never got to graduate high school because he had to work on a farm. You know, that was, you have all these scenarios that as a kid you can't understand and see, but you still experience the feeling you feel. And then you take that feeling and you try to go find it in the world and trying to find it in the world. I was beating myself to death because I started to fucking like, I would just change who I was wherever I went to see if somebody else would say that was good. Yeah. You just come like a, like a yes guy for everybody. I fucking hate it. Oh man. 
I can definitely relate to that, that, that people pleasing tendencies and yeah, like if you're, if you're constantly reshaping yourself to meet the, the next group of people that you're around, like you're going to, you're going to be totally lost in who you are because you're not the same person each time you, you change yourself and that like, there's nothing wrong with change and growing and evolving. But if you're doing that to satisfy other people and not yourself, you're going to run a fucking rat race and you will lose and be miserable the entire time you're running it. Yeah. I got tired. Like I I got, I was successful in everything I did, like super successful, everything. It didn't matter what I did. I was good at it. The problem was it wasn't good enough for my mom and dad to tell me I was doing a good job. And so I just got tired of, of doing like, I, I just started looking in the mirror and was like, do I want to do this? Or do I want my mom to see I'm doing right? Do I want my dad to see I'm doing this? And that that would be the question I asked myself. Yeah. Because I just got fucking exhausted. Just mentally drained of trying to figure out ways to gain other people's acceptance. Specifically my mom and dad. But then it was women. And so it was like, I just looked in the mirror and I kept going like, why are you doing this? What are you trying to get? And then later it was like, can you give that to yourself? Do you accept yourself? Did you do a good job for you? Right. I'm like, fuck, I, I guess I did. Pat myself on the back. I learned that lesson with my wife. Right. <laughs> my, my, current, my current wife. Like, so I, I left teaching eight years ago, nine years ago, something like that. And I taught for like 12 years. I got into corporate sales. I was like, yeah, I'm going to make some money, crush it. And my wife's like, cool. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to show you. <laughs> You're going to be excited about it. And so, and I set this goal. I was like, hey, I'm going to win President's Club. I'm going to be a top salesman company, da, 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 da. She's like, awesome. And so I started selling and I would sell like first, first week I sold like two deals. It's like, I fucking sold two deals. I'm so fucking excited. She's like, Cool. I was like, you're not a fucking excited? You did good. I was like, shit. And then next week, crushed it. She's like, nothing. Just crickets. Next week, crickets. And I asked her, I was like, are you not excited for me? She goes, are you excited for you? Why do you need me? And I was like, well, fuck. And at that moment, I was listening to Gary Vaynerchuk. He's like, sometimes you got to pat yourself on the back. And so literally, this is the practice I did. I would be like, every time I sold something, I pat myself on the back. Yeah. Every time I made something great, I just pat myself on the back. And I did it in front of people, and they were like, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, man, I just, I just won. Pat myself on the back. And I just got to a point where I just, I patternize that behavior out of me. Stop saying, oh, good job. It was more, good job, Jim. Right. For yourself. And for myself. Yeah. And then guess what? What? My, my wife was like, I'm so fucking proud of you. Good job. Because I stopped needing it. Yep. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a big thing to highlight for people that are, are listening right now. And I kind of want to back up just a little bit to highlight and emphasize this point too. 
because yeah. there's a there's a lot of similarities between our our patterns in our life, not necessarily like how they were developed, but our patterns are very similar, just developed in different ways. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting was how you talked about being really successful in life, but not getting the approval of your parents, not getting the attaboy from your parents. I was also really successful in a lot of ways in graduating college, having a good engineering career, being able to buy a house. Like day one out of college, I started making more money than both my parents combined on day one. Like this is, this is amazing. Like I'm making changes in the family lineage and my parents were proud and they were proud and happy of me in that whole, in all of that. So there's something that's very distinctly different, right? We both are, we both had that success. I was able to get that approval from my parents. You were not. However, that pattern of not feeling it within us remained the same. There was still like, there was still, it was still missing. I was still trying to get it from other people in other places to fill the void within myself because it wasn't me being proud of me and giving myself the recognition from me. Like I have to, it's that manifestation. You will always seek it if you do not provide it for yourself. I agree. I agree a thousand percent. Like that, that's it. Like I got so bad where I would get to a mountaintop and I would, I would destroy the mountain so I could start the climb again. Oh yeah. Because I love the climb. I love the feeling of being at the bottom because I felt like I was at the bottom my whole life. And so, and, and one day my wife, my wife's like brilliant, but she said, she goes, why don't you just like, when you're at the mountaintop, why don't you just put another level to the mountain? Mm. I was like, what do you mean? She goes, you're already, you're, you're good. Just add to it. Right. Stop blowing the shit up. <laughs> it's not fun. Nice. <laughs> and so it was like one of those self-sabotaging moments where in order to gain approval again, I would, I would start at the bottom and work my way to the top, work my way to the top, work my way to the top hoping that by doing the thing that uh, that she would she would give me a praise my mom would give me praise whatever and then i was realizing like you're good here just keep going yeah yeah that's definitely a good a good analogy i like that yeah what would you say started to push some of that shift and change like what was that like actually more so in during that nine months when you were in 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 your car and you're homeless like talk about an opportunity to really look at your shadow and and look at the the ugly parts of yourself and like you got to face it you can't get away what was that time frame like sitting in the car with yourself you know, it's there's this quote that I, I fell in love with. It said, "You can't be alone if you're happy with the person you're alone with." Mm-hmm. And for a while, I felt alone because I wasn't happy with the person I was being. Yeah, I wasn't happy with the way I showed up. I wasn't happy doing the things I I, I was doing, and I just wasn't happy with the status of my life. Like I was, you know, sitting here. One of I was one of the best teachers in the U.S. at that point, and I'm sleeping in the fucking park allowed to school I teach at, and it just drove me nuts. 
I'm divorced. I failed at that. You know, I don't get to see my kids every day. I'm failing as a dad. Um, you know, and I just had all of these stories and, and so I, in that, I had to get really comfortable knowing that the difference between my bullshit and my real shit. Hmm. Right. Uh, one thing I've learned is like this thing right here, my brain <laughs> will fucking create some bullshit that I don't even know what's oh, real. Yeah. And like one thing could happen and I can write 37 pages about that one thing that have nothing to do with the thing. And so I had to start looking at real things like this is a flash drive. This is not the end of your world, right? <laughs> this is what it is. Right. But I would look at that flash drive and be like, oh, you're a piece of shit. You're not lovable. You're not this. You're not that. And I would create on a thousand stories to make that thing not what it was. And so I had to get really consistent at looking at my life as being evidence and not um, illusions. Like I had a lot of illusions about my life. I had a lot of illusions about who I was. I had a lot of illusions about what I wasn't. And I had to start looking at the evidence of who I was being. Like I, I was a good person. I was a good dad. I was a good husband. I, just things, things didn't work out in certain ways. The way I wanted them to doesn't mean that it made me terrible. Doesn't mean that it made my ex-wife terrible. Doesn't mean that it just means that we went the ways we were supposed to go. And a lot of times we try to control so much of our life with our brain that we can't actually be present in our life with our bodies to actually experience it. Right. And our brain is creating stories based off of the patterns that we have from our past. And my patterns were fucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so every time I would go into a new experience, I was already fucked because I was trying to think my way through it with the bullshit that I already lived. And it created a lot of problems. So sitting in my car made me realize like the, the levity of actually being alone every fucking day with nowhere to go. You're going to be with yourself every day. What are you going to do with that? That's heavy. Yeah. Like there's no TV. There's no warm food. I ate at the cafeteria at school. There was there was none of, like there was nothing. It was you and you. And sometimes that kills people, and sometimes that 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 makes people unkillable. Right. And I, I like to think it it built me. I mean, I obviously I have a the mindset I have from growing up and being the it made me more firm in who I was. It, it realized like I could go through a lot of hard shit. I can experience a lot of bad things and I also can come out the other end. It's not going to be the end of it. Right. Even today, I realize that like, I know I still got hard shit to face and I'm okay with that. Yeah. That's, that's definitely important to, to understand there's there's something that really stood out to me in, in this idea too to to highlight when you talk about being alone with yourself and there's nowhere to go and you didn't have TV. As soon as you said that, I'm like, oh, that is such a critical component in life is that there's so much of our modern day life 
that is a distraction from ourself. And when we're distracted from ourselves with this constant influx of entertainment, whether it be movies or sitcoms or football or whatever it is, if we're always sitting there in front of the TV and we're constantly distracting ourselves, we have no ability to be with ourselves. And if we don't have an ability to be with ourselves, you will not have a relationship with yourself. And if you don't have that relationship with yourself, the quality of the relationships in every other area of your life will suffer. Abs, man, you're speaking my love language right now. <laughs> One thousand percent. So yeah, that's it. Like I, I heard, I heard this quote one time. It said, "Like your dis- your distractions are your destruction." Mm, yeah, it's a good one. And I was like, "Fuck!" Like that's so true. Like, in, and I experienced this um, in October. So I felt. I, I told you, like I fell off the ladder, tore my ACL, tore my LCL, tore my meniscus, tore my rotator cuff, tore my bicep. Right. I've been working out for thirty years. Six days a yeah. week. For 16 weeks, you're not doing a fucking thing. And I'm like, my workout period is like sacred for yeah. me. It's the most mentally clarifying period of my day. I'm by myself. I'm with my thoughts. Everything that I think about comes clear in those moments. And then it's gone. And you're like, all right, are you going to distract yourself now? Or are you going to find a different way? Right. Because in the beginning, I wanted to be like victim, victim, victim. I'm just going to watch TV, da 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 da. And I was like, "Fuck, like fuck this! I'm going crazy." Because <laughs> I gotta, I need my time. I need this to slow down. Yeah. And the TV doesn't do it. Social media doesn't do it. People don't do it. It's me with me. It's me doing hard things. So I would just go sit in the sauna for 40 minutes, 180 degrees. And just be uncomfortable as fuck. But in that, and just sit there, but it allows me to be with myself, be with my thoughts. I can write on my phone. And I, I just got in a period of writing a lot. That's all I did for 16 weeks, write mm-hmm. a lot. And, but I was, it was me with me. And so I, I had to create a different way to do it. And so now I just gained a new skill. But you're so right though, like, people are just so distracted and they don't even know they know they are, but they don't want to do anything right. different. Right. Cause it's, it's a comfort zone being with yourself, being with yourself is hard. Yeah. Cause you got to look at your shit. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's, it's fun though. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that I've grown to realize too, is like <laughs> meditation has become a really important part of my life for a lot of different reasons, but I've also realized that before, like the inability to meditate and the inability to just sit with myself with no anything was the measure of the quality of relationship or the quality of the moment in the relationship with myself. And I realized that, you know, like now to this day, sometimes I'll go to meditate and my mind will just start spiraling. I'll be like, okay, dude, what's going on with you? You Mm -hmm. are spiraling. You, you know that that's you and your connection with you. What, what are we doing here? Let's get reconnected. And, exactly. And so we can move forward. And that's been that's powerful. It, man. Like one of the best choices yeah. I've ever made in my entire life was the day that canceled cable TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and my wife, she'll, she, she, she lives off a completely different schedule than I do. And so she works into her schedule to have time to watch TV. 
and I can't sit with her. And she's like, why, why don't you want to sit and watch TV? I was like, I will go absolutely crazy because it, I feel like I'm missing out on things in my right. life. And she's like, what does that mean? But you're here with me. I say, I'm not here with you. I'm here with the TV and you're sitting there. I'm like, if you wanted me and you to be together, we can go sit outside and talk. I do that. And so I schedule that every day. Like we're getting, we're getting 30 minutes to an hour, no phones, no TVs, me and you talking. And so if I want that, I put my phone on the counter. She puts her phone on the counter. We go outside. Nice. And we just sit. We'll get in our hot tub. We got a hot tub last Christmas. And so we get in our hot tub. We have hot tub talks. <laughs> and she's like, I wish we had our phone. We could record these. I was like, yeah, but I don't want to marry. <laughs> it's just a distraction. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I like that. Yeah, yeah. no, that's good stuff. It, it's important, though. It's important just to be still with self. Just to see what you're thinking about. Yeah. Like a lot of people don't even realize what they're thinking about and what's creating the feelings inside their body. What's creating the direction of their life. They're, they're hoping that all this good shit happens, but they're thinking all the bad shit. And so they keep creating the bad shit. Yeah. Cause you live the life you focus on. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I, I like yeah. to think about it too, is like the, the things that you, the things that you think and talk to about yourself are what create and shape your beliefs and wherever your life is, whatever season or story of life you're in, your beliefs create your ceiling and that's the yes. capacity of your life. And so if you have low that. quality beliefs, you're going to have a low ass ceiling. If you have high quality beliefs, you're going to have a high ceiling, all of which is shaped by yep. shaped by the way you talk to you and about yourself. Mm-hmm. And what's really cool about that is when you realize your self-talk is a choice, well, cool. Now you got a choice. What do you choose? Do you choose to continue to be an asshole yeah. to yourself or do you want to be a self-affirming pleasure to be with? That's it. Like I, I remember when I started look, listening to the thought that the way I talked to myself on the inside. Mm-hmm. I can recall that myself too. And it was, it was in, it was while I was homeless. I'm sitting there going, why in the fuck would anybody want to be yeah. with you? I don't want to be with this. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> Literally is what I said. Like I wouldn't date yeah. you. Like I want marry you. You talk more shit about yourself to be so successful than I've ever seen. And so it was like, all right, how do I ship? Yeah. That? And I do it every day. Like I, I literally sit in the sauna six days a week. And in that, I have this practice I do. Mm-hmm. I've been doing it for like six, seven years. I sit there and say, so I know this is going to sound corny. But I just literally say, I love you, Jim Vance. Jim Vance, I love you. I love you, Jim Vance. Jim Vance, I love you. And I say, I fucking love you, Jim Vance. Fucking Jim Vance, I love you. And I just say mm-hmm. it. And I get to a point and the tears just start running down my face. Because I believe it's so true to my soul. And I, every day it doesn't stop. Like I just, it's all yeah. a pattern. But it, like when I'm there, it's like, okay, good. Let's go get it. When was the first time you said that and believed it? It took a while. It took a while. The, the, the one that got me the most was the things I had to forgive myself for. Gotcha. Which I was so used to forgiving people. I did. I used to do this practice of every day, five things why I love myself. 
five things that I was proud of myself for that day. Mm-hmm. And then five things I need to forgive myself for. The hardest ones were fucking forgiving yourself. Like it's the greatest form of love. Yeah. To forgive yourself or to forgive in general. And I just didn't know how to forgive myself. I can definitely relate to that. Yeah. Definitely. And I I know the first time that that I said that and believed it too, like you talk about how you you get tears from that. Like the first time I finally said it and meant it and felt it, it was emotional. It was like holy crap. Like Oh yeah, it just man. That's like, what the fuck is that? That's taken a lot of work. I'm good. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Right. Good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's go lift yep. some weights. And uh, it's just, it's, That's what I said. <laughs> it's so cool to finally like get to that point. Like you put in all that work yeah. and like yeah. to get to that point and cultivate that within yourself after, at least for me, it had been a couple of decades of life of just br- self-inflicted brutality. I love that self-inflicted brutality I love that that's so that's it because it was nothing short of that like if I treated somebody else the way I treated myself I would go to jail and that's sad man yeah it and with you do all this work with men all over the world how much how much yeah. of the similar story do you find within other people that you work with that are doing and have it's, been participating in those same patterns it's it's uncanny how many guys go through the same shit no matter where i mean i've i've coached men on about every continent heads of state what it doesn't matter they have the same fucking problem like they they forgot who they were as men. Like they real they forget. I think the biggest problem is men have been conditioned to believe that they're just human doings. They just go do yeah. shit. Like do shit. You provide. You protect. You preside over the family. Put your needs on the back burner. Your emotions aren't real. You're a fucking robot and go make it happen. But they're experiencing all of this life and they don't know where to go. Right. And then they can't run anymore. And and they're falling apart on the inside. And it scares the crap out of them. Like they just feel like they're losing their mind every day. I know that's what I felt. I felt like I was losing my mind every day. Everybody on the outside thought I was good. It was like duck duck on a pond, you know? Calm up. Yeah, yeah. Is fucking going yep, crazy yep, down there. For sure. But he uh and I would, and so I come across these stories, but the stories that are, they're just, they don't know how to love themselves. They don't know what that means. They, they don't have an idea what it means to actually love yeah. them. And because of that, they go to women to get them to love them. And the women can't do it. Then they go to jobs or careers to find it in that. And the job and career can't do it. And then they go to have kids and hoping they can, live vicariously through them and find love there. And they realize that's a harder job than you can even imagine. (laughs) (laughs) And so they, they create all of these things around them 
to hopefully implant the one thing that they want instead of going to them. We interrupt this show with a brief message. This podcast was created through a strong sense of belonging. A tremendous amount of personal growth has had to occur in order for me to be able to create the Project Unchained podcast, my gift to you. Being vulnerable is scary, and it's not something I've always been able to do. I've had to create confidence in myself and what I believed in. No one was going to do that for me. I had to do that for myself. And guess what? You can too. Creating self-confidence begins with a strong sense of belonging. You create belonging through internal validation. Well, how do you do that, you might ask? I got you. I've created this online self-development course that is designed specifically to help you build a strong sense of belonging within yourself. The ability to internally validate your existence, have the confidence you desire, and grow your self-worth that you never thought possible. The Belonging Blueprint is here to guide you every step of the way. To get more information and to enroll today, you can click the link in the show notes or message me directly. Now back to the show. How do you go to you? Me? Yeah. Or yeah, like what, is, what does a person do to go to themselves? <clears throat> what, how do they start? How do they, how do they create that self-love? So that they are no longer seeking it externally. I think um, the first thing is you got to look at the problem, right? A lot of people try to solve the problem without actually looking at the thing. They're trying to solve the feeling, right? So the problem is, is they stop loving themselves. Why? What evidence do you have? Because you, you have to know why you're, why you're doing the opposite of what you want. You want to be loved, but you are not loving yourself. Why? So find the evidence first there. Understand mm-hmm. it. It's a, you got to accept it. Like We all go through these periods. I know I, you have, I have, where we find ways to not love ourselves. And we have valid excuses why. And it's okay. You don't judge it. You, you did it. Now, can you do differently? Yeah? All right, what's that look like for you? What does love look like for you? Because love for me and love for you are going to be two different things. And so you got to find what love is for them. Because it's different for different people. And then how do you instill those practices into your life? Like, what would it look like for you to love yourself? Right. What would that look like? For one guy, it was he just wanted to have 30 minutes every day that he could go into his shop and work on his car. Literally, he had a shop, a full-on shop that he never went outside in because he was so afraid that his, his family would judge him. And he's, I said, have you ever told him that you just wanted to go work in your no, they would. She would. She wouldn't like that. Have you ever asked her? Nope. <laughs> oh. I got to do this. I got to cook, and I got to do this. I got to do that. Aunt, all right. Have you ever asked her? Nope. Well, was asked. I'm sure she'll give you an hour if you come back like calm and peaceful and ready to ready to be present. Yeah, I think that's because the things that you're denying yourself 
is that's when you start distracting yourself. Yeah. I think there's a big key there to really point out and highlight is that it's important when you go do that thing that is supposed to cultivate that self-love, go work in the shop, for example, and you get done. Yeah. When you're done with that, you need to come back with your bucket filled the fuck back up, ready to be with that other person. If you don't, if you don't come back with your bucket filled up, that's when they're going to be like, oh, okay, well, they're not taking care of themselves. Now I have to take care of them. And in that setting, they don't want to fucking take care of you. You're supposed to be a grown-ass man. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's what switches the polarity of the relationship. It's like when you when your partner feels like you don't have your shit together, they try to create safety for their life by taking care of your shit. And they become the man. And you become the feminine. Yeah. And so, like, and this happens. Like, I see guys that they say they're doing the thing they love. They go, I'm going hunting for four days. Be away from their family for four days. Or I'm going, I'm going to do this. I'm going to hang out with the boys and get fucked up. But they're not actually doing anything for themselves. They're still escaping. Mm, yeah. When are you spending time just with you and you doing the thing you want? Every day. So here's what I do. Obviously, I work out. That's one thing. But the other thing I do is I love every morning to read. Like, it's my thing. I don't get a chance to read during the day. I don't get a chance to read at night. So I wake up every morning before everybody. I have I drink coffee and I read. I drink coffee and I read. My, I, I get up for my wife. And I'm like, when I'm, when I'm done, it's about 45 minutes. Like, I'm ready to go. And so my wife wakes up about that time. I go in there. She's like, you good? Like, yeah, I'm good. Energetic energy is perfect because I've already filled my bucket for the day. I've already got to me. I spent time with myself. I wrote, I, I read, I enjoyed the, the birds chirping outside, drank my yeah. coffee, got a little caffeine kicked in. I'm ready to rock. And, but it's like little, it's the littlest things. It's not big things. And I have women ask me all the time, what can I do for my man to make him feel more, um, alive in his life. I was like, it's not, a, it's not very big. He probably just needs to do something for himself. Like, we're not big grand gesture. I'm not a big grand gesture person. Are you? No, I like, I prefer experiences, you know, like if we're talking like Christmas yeah. presents or birthday presents or something like that, I'd rather go like yeah. explore somewhere or something. Yeah. That's it. And so it's, it's little things that guys have gotten away from because they're so afraid. Men are so afraid to lose love once they think they found it. So they won't, what they do is they take that thing that's given them the feeling and they put it on a pedestal and they put themselves beneath it. So they feel like they're always going to have to work for it, work for it, mm-hmm. work for it. And so they, they take themselves off the, the hot, the burner. They put them, they put it in the back of the stove. It's like, hey, I'm going to make sure all these things are heated up all day long so they're good, so I feel the feeling. Even though they don't ever actually feel anything. They feel like they're just doing a bunch of shit. Come a plow horse. Yeah. Like, I'm just out there plowing the field every day. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I can relate to that. I know one of my practices that I try to do, I'm not always very good at it. I haven't for some reason seem to fully integrate it yet. But I know a lot of times for me when I am good at it and I am in that routine and habit, 
you know, I'll be down here working through the day when I'm done or I need to go upstairs and take a break. A lot of times I need to remind myself like, Hey, take a moment to just leave this down here and not bring it up with you. And it, it shifts that so that when I do walk in upstairs, I can be present upstairs and not still thinking about work and problem solving work things. And that creates such a positive difference for me and how I show up with the family. And I think a lot of this, like yeah. filling your own bucket is along the same lines is you're, you have to be able to be with what you're doing. And I think that's where a lot of us get in trouble. I know, especially me, cause I'm, I'm an analytical type. So I'm fucking in my head far more than most people realize. <laughs> and, yes. and that is a distraction from being present in the moment with what, with whatever it is I'm doing. Yeah. And, it's very important for me to constantly always remind myself to cultivate that, that presence practice of, of whatever I'm solving in my head doesn't, doesn't work in that moment. It can't be yeah. solved. That's it. <laughs> it's super like, that's so fucking important because the masculine tends to be super analytical, yeah. like super logical, try to think yep. through everything. Mm-hmm. But, but in that, you actually forget to live through anything. Oh yeah, you're not living. You're trying to figure out the next step all the time, and it's like, oh man, like, and I, I, I see myself. It, that was been an attention for me this year. Is um, my oldest daughter will be in college in two years, so I'm like, I need to be super intentional spending time with yeah. her, like being present with her, experiencing her through these last two years of high school, because she's going to be going off to wherever. Yep be married in, in several years. And, and I feel like the time's just flying yeah. by and same with my wife, my wife and I, we run a business together. So we spend a lot of time with each other, but we don't, sometimes we don't get enough int- intentional time right. together because we're so in business right. yeah, and we're so doing this and that. And she's got a schedule. I got a schedule. And then we had kids schedules. And so it's like, how do we create intentional moments every day and every week and every month that allow us to be present with each other and keep growing. Be with the relationship, uh, being able to compartmentalize the relationship from away from the business and and things of that nature. Yes. Yeah. It's difficult. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I know that that's always a, (laughs) it's a, that can be a struggle for me. Like when I'm a total DIYer, I love being able to do my own projects and create my own things and not have to pay somebody else to do something that I'm capable of doing. And there's a, a great deal of pride in that. And at the same time, it, it does, it does and can create a conflict for us. Like I, while I'm saving us money from not having to buy a contractor and I'm doing all this stuff, it can be a very big distraction because when, especially when I have a big project, like when I built our deck a couple of years ago, man, I built that thing a thousand yeah. fucking times before I ever even started. A thousand times, like constantly, like down to like the little connections of how I'm going to put it connected yeah. to the house and do this and do that. And I know when I get over here to this weird corner and that thing and that detail, what am I going to do? And like, sometimes we got to really learn how to step away from that. Yeah. I did that same thing last year. I was, uh, we got a hot tub and I got a big screen mm-hmm. and porch and I had to take out half the screen and the porch so I can move the yeah. hot tub in. Then I'm like, all right, I'm going to rebuild that. <laughs> and uh, my wife's like, why don't you just hire somebody? I was like, I got that. Like, it's just framing in the screen. It's not right. hard to do. 
right? And I thought about it, and I drew it out. I looked up plans. I learned. I YouTubed, and I did it for about a month and a half, two months. My wife's like, are you going to do that? Because I'm about to call somebody. Like you, you planned so much and taken so much time away from me, and but you haven't done anything. I was like, wow. <laughs> so I did right. it finally, but it was like, next time I'm like, I'll just hire somebody. Oh man, yeah. I mean, there was even times I'd wake up in the middle of the night and couldn't fall back asleep because I'd wake up from a dream building the deck, and there I am now. Now I'm awake. It's <laughs> two in the morning, and you know, I'm going to sit here and build for an hour before I go back to bed. <laughs> you know, and I, I can't help but think of how important that skill is to be able to to stop that and turn that off and realize yeah. that it's it's unproductive. And I think that that can be one of our biggest faults. It serves you. It serves you. But you got to you got to use it for where it serves you at. Yeah. It serves you in business. It serves you in probably other areas, but sometimes in living, it doesn't serve because it takes your mind away from the actual yeah. living. And then you're not experiencing. Yeah. yeah. What, what do you do? What's your, how do you like navigate and, and manage that when you like, what kind of tools and tips and tricks do you use for yourself to, to pull yourself out of that state? Um, I write it out. Okay. Just literally write it out. What I've learned is like when I think a lot, it's an un. I give an example. So I remember one time me and my wife were having a discussion. We were having a conflict. It wasn't even a discussion. We were conflicting about something, and she said something to me, um, and it freaking pissed me off. And in that, that one moment, it was like one thing. I, I was like you just don't understand when you say something like that, what my brain does. It's just like, well, what does it do? I was like, well, I'll write it out. And I, I think 12 pages later, I gave it to her. I was like, this is what it does. And she goes, that has nothing to do with what I, <laughs> I was like, I know, but that's the way men are. We start thinking through every little piece of that sentence and we try to break it down, and then we break down the breaking down, and then we break that piece down, and then we try to figure out that piece to get it back to there. And she's like, that, y'all are crazy. I was like, I know, we are. So now what I do is when I start thinking that way, I write it down. Just write it down. I just look at it. Like, I just look at it. What is, like, can I solve this right now? Yes or no? No. Okay, cool. Move. Can I solve it? Yes. All right. What's the solution? Not what what I need to do to figure out what I'm thinking about. What's the solution to this problem? Like, just get black and white with it. Because the more I get, try to get, oh, I need to think about how, well, if that thing happens, and if that thing happens, and if that thing happens, that thing happens, I'm not going to know until I do it. So if I'm just sitting there thinking about all the things that could or would or should happen, I'm going to go crazy. I know me. I will spend days going crazy. And so it's, so if I know like I need to do this and that's the problem, then what actions am I taking? Because in that action, I'm going to find out real quick, like this is the right way. This is the wrong way. 
and I can I can adjust, but I can't adjust in my head because I don't know what the hell's going to happen when I start. Even even with all the plans you laid out when you started, you probably had to rewrite it. Yep. Yeah. No, that's definitely a good way to look at it. Like taking the action and adjusting the action along the way, rather than trying to think that you can solve it all the way through to the end, to the final product from the beginning, you know, and even that, that like hits well, even with like my engineer analytical brain, just thinking about whenever we would design something, there was 99% of the times there was something that had to be adjusted or changed from the original documents. And, and that's it. That's, it's even, it's even more so true in life because of the human complexities than there is in a controlled building environment, you know? So like the ability to be flexible, there's, you know, uh, I'm not a very flexible person, so it sometimes can be a struggle. (laughs) Yeah. You get very rigid with it. And, and like, you know, there's, I think Aristotle or Plato, one of them said like, um, all human behavior is goal driven like goal-driven. Like, we have a goal, we want to get to it. Like, you wanted to build a deck, and you wanted to get to it. It's like goal or future-driven, right? There's an Mm -hmm. outcome with the input. But in your brain, there's no actual input going into the outcome. If I'm thinking all the time, there's no input going into the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking about what I would do to get to the outcome. All right, what are you doing? It's like somebody wants to lose weight. I'm thinking, I've, I've been really researching on how I need to lose weight. And I've been really researching on the diet and the workout I should do. And I've, I've spent a lot of time, like I've, I've done a lot of work on that. All right, what did you do? Did you go walk today? Did you actually stop eating donuts right. today? Did you Did you eat some protein today? Did you do these things? Because... The thinking about it and researching, that sounds good, but are you, because you're not going to learn until you move. We're not going to learn until we move. We can think about how to ride a bike until you get on a bike, your ass is going to fall off. Then what? You got to get back on it and learn how to ride it again. I think the other part of that too, that I'm thinking about that has been beneficial for me is the realization that when I think about all those things and try and solve it. And I get to this conclusion in my head of this is where the outcome is going to go if I do ABC. And then when it's different, now I just created a lot of suffering and hardship for me along the way because I created an attachment to an idea rather than just exploring the experience as it unfolds. And that like, you know, I made the comment about being inflexible and, and that's because I create that inflexibility for myself. And, you know, been trying to be a lot more aware of that these days um, and, and repattern that for myself. But that's definitely been, a, a, I guess, a neat realization in, in how I like because yeah. at the end of the day, whatever whatever experience you're having, you're at a minimum, you're a co-contributor. Regardless of whether it's a good, bad or ugly experience, you are there. You are the common denominator. It's you. It's just reflecting yeah. you. So it's crazy. And and I, I love that attachment thing. Like I, I, I teach a lot on attachment. Yeah. 
I work a lot through attachments. I've had to work through my own, through my own attachments. And that's, and I do still, but it's like, because you can create an attachment to an outcome and in that outcome, you're not allowing yourself to actually go through the process of what it feels like to get there. Yeah. You're more worried about there than you are. What am I learning to get there? How do I grow into that spot? Because I mean, I always, and I'm, you probably think similar. It's like, I always kind of correlate things to working out. When I used to teach, I used to like learning how to be intelligent. I always used to say, you got to get your brain small. Yeah. Right. You got to learn how to, you got to learn how to bench press 405 pounds with your brain. So then when you get on a test that, that only weighs 135 pounds, you can yeah. do it while you're sleeping. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's right. just easy. But it's same way with like life. Like you got to learn that like, getting under a bar to squat, you don't know what that feels like. You can think about 400 pounds on a bar to squat. You don't know what it feels like until you put right. it on your back. You don't know what your body's going to do. You don't know how your form's going to be. Because the first time you put it on your back, your form's going to be shitty anyway. So it was, might as well do it, get it out of the way, watch it, film it and watch it, and then make adjustments. Because... You know, you're not going to, when you get punched in the, ma- the mouth by thing, by life sometimes or by an experience, you learn more in that than you did about thinking how to get to the end goal. Definitely. I agree with that. Like it's so like lifting, lifting weights and being in the gym for my whole life is I learn more through that. Than oh anything. yeah. Just because it's just, it's so, it's so Im- such immediate yeah. feedback. How you feel, what you look like, what you want to do versus what your body says it's going to do. <laughs> it's just, you know, and you're having to make adjustments on the fly in every every workout, every moment. You're adjusting yeah. everything. And it's not, I, I, when I went in there, I didn't think I was going to have to make adjustments. Like I, my thought was, I'm just going to go yeah. work out. But now, like over time, you realize like every time I go in there, it's Katie yeah. bar the door. Yeah. And the older I get, it's really Katie bar the fucking door. It's really cool to hear that you find life lessons in your lifting of weights. I, I have as well, even though like for the longest, for a long time, it was an escape for me. It was a way to express my anger and it was a way to try and cultivate self-worth. And a lot of times I did it in the very mm-hmm. wrong way. A lot of times it was, oh, well, if I lift more than anybody else, then they have to like me, which doesn't fucking work <laughs> at all. It doesn't matter how much you lift. People don't like you more for that. Even though even though the gram might kind of yeah. tell you otherwise, because you might get a couple extra likes. Yes. Um, but it was, uh, man, it was several years ago when I was talking with one of our coaches, Mark Robb, and I told him, you know, like I've grown to this point now where like, I'm almost upset with myself. Like what, what, what I spent all this time lifting and I was just running away from stuff from my lifting. Now I, now what do I do? And he's like, Oh man, don't, don't look at it like that. Look at it as, you know, what, what has it taught you now? What skills does it teach you to move forward? And as I, flipped that script and started looking at like what things am I learning in this training experience right now that can empower me in other places in my life, man, like 
lifting has taken on such a different meaning for me and it's really opened the door. It's really fucking awesome because for like two years I was dealing with a nagging hip injury and I couldn't lift hard the way I wanted to lift. And it was really weird because I wasn't injured per se, like I couldn't lift, but I also couldn't lift hard because it would, it it was, it was like a, a, a governor and I couldn't go even though I know I had the capacity to go more, but there's this thing holding me back and, Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know what? It's okay. And mentally I was okay. Whereas five, six years before I would have been mentally devastated and I would have been down in the dumps and self-worth would have been, went to shit and would have been a whole pity party. And no, I just, okay, well, I'm going to do what I can do today and I'm going to, what can I learn today with it? And it was just, it's really awesome. So I, I love to hear that like you gain from lifting in that way too, more so than just your physical health, but skill development. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I started lifting the same reason. Like I was running away from, I was trying to find yeah. self-worth. Like I was a heavy kid, chubby, um, made fun of all that kind of stuff. So, and I was really in the sports. I was a good athlete and I wanted to be, I wanted to continue to be good. So I just started yeah. working out and, in that my body reshaped mm-hmm. itself and I gained confidence in myself that way. But, but I went to that period where you lift heavier and everybody too. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, I'm about to do this. I'm about to do that. And then you get, you, you get old and you're like, <laughs> I don't want to do that anymore. I love moving. I love to go mo- moving to me is like, it's, it's moving meditation. Oh, yeah. When I go work out, it's a moving meditation. My brain, I tell my wife this, because when we first started dating, she's like, why do you go to the gym every day? I was like, it's hard for me to explain. She goes, do you go and, what do you go to socialize? I know, I don't, I don't talk to anybody. I I go in there, I put headphones in with no music, so nobody talks to me. And she's like, what? I'm like, yeah. I was like, I go in there because it's the most calm my brain is any part of the day. I'm focused on one thing and that's me. And I'm focused on how am I connecting with my body? And how am I going to do something to make myself almost suffer today? And feel that level of discomfort Mm -hmm. that makes me feel alive. And, you know, and I, and what's so crazy that I've been thinking that way for years. And I read a, a book and it said like, a man's connection with his body is a, is his connection with the feminine. And so it's like, I've been trying to experience that in myself mm. forever. Like be connected with self. Like how does doing this affect this part? How's doing that affect this part? And like, you know, that mind yeah. muscle connection type thing, but and it's more just how I want to feel. I want to feel alive every day. And, and in that being alive, it's full of struggles and being alive is full of um, unpredictable moments like your hip or there'll be days. I had one last this in like March last year where I had my lat folded in on itself. Mm. Didn't know what the hell was going on on behind my shoulder. And I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, I've been working out. I had no problems. It never tore, never did anything. Just folded in on myself. And I'm like, here, so I had to go and do physical therapy and learn some new stuff about myself. And I learned to be more mobile. So then I started adding a different layer to my body, like 
hey, I'm going to start being super focused on every day I'm, I'm extremely warmed up. I'm like 30 minutes yeah. of warm up, warming up, moving around, feeling good. And then when I start to work out, like I feel great in that workout, but it's, it's little things that get thrown in there like that are hard that make you make the adjustments that make you think on the fly that make you still like learn different skills to get the right. same result that you want to feel and that you want to feel in your health. But you may, you may never thought about that. You, you had a rigid mindset of what you were going to do. And then your body's like, no, we're going to do this today and be flexible yeah. with that. Yeah. No, that's great. I, I love to hear that. It's, it's really cool. Um, when you, when you work with people, do you require that they lift weights You cry, or, or do some kind of physical activity? I encourage yeah. it a ton. I, I think they see that I do it every day. So here's a lot of guys that they feel like they don't have enough time. I'm like, look, man, I run three companies and I have three teenagers. I have a wife. If I can do it, you're asking to do it. I promise. Like you, you don't have kids. You don't do anything. What are, you, what are we doing? You just go to work and come home. I'm sure there's 45 minutes in there right. you can move around. And so I'll, I'll try to. And so I, several of them, I'll construct plans for them. Like, hey, we're just going to do this. We're going to start here. We're going to get to there. So I'll create a kind of a working plan that's kind of living and breathing on base how they feel. I want them to do something hard yeah. every day. I think that's a, probably a big fault of men is like they've gotten so comfortable doing nothing hard. <laughs> it's just yeah. like they come home, the hardest thing they do is sit behind a desk. I'm like, golly. And then they come home and like, oh my God, it was such a rough day. Like, can you make me a sandwich? Motherfucker, get up and do something. Go make a sandwich yourself. Do that. That's harder than sitting behind the desk. <laughs> Go flex that yeah. muscle at least. Right? And so I, I'm very big on like, doing something for yourself every day. If it's reading or if it's meditating or if it's working out, whatever you do, do it. Like fucking make it a practice. Just it's a non-negotiable. That's a non-negotiable between me and my wife. Every day I'm doing this. I started that early on. I'm like it because she questioned why I went and I was like, this is going to be me forever. So let's go ahead and say every day I have this time. I'm doing this. She said, okay. Yeah. I hear that. I hear that. Uh, one of the one of the darkest periods of my life was when I wasn't lifting, and yes. <laughs> like it's just Shit. it's a staple. It, it is a must must have must do. Um, I did like my wife makes me go. If I like, she's like I'm like two or three days off, and she's like, "You need to go work out." I'm like, "Why?" She goes, "You're driving me crazy." <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, "All right, cool," but I, that, that was when I fell and I couldn't work out. That first four weeks is probably one of that was the darkest yeah. spot. Like I was like, "What the fuck am I going to do oh, with yeah. myself?" Like I'm going to go crazy. That's what I kept saying. I kept saying, "I'm going to go crazy." My wife's like, "You're going to make me crazy if you keep saying that." You need to find a yeah. different thing, which is cool that you were able to do that too. Like I think about that for me yeah. with snowboarding. I grew up on a snowboard and lived in Alaska for twelve years and snowboarded every single weekend I could and that was the thing for me that when I'm out on my snowboard, my brain shuts off. It is the only thing that I've ever done that I can do that has zero thought. And it's just the fullest of presence ever. And it's amazing. 
And when I moved down here to Georgia, it's like, well, there goes snowboarding. You're not going to have that. But I'm making this choice. You're going to have to make a choice to find something else to replace it. And in honesty, in all honesty, yeah. that, that's what really elevated my meditation practice was I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to do things to cultivate this, this state of being and yeah. double down on meditation. And, you know, we do a lot of mountain biking now. So that satisfies like doing the physical thing with no thought as well. Yeah. Because I, I think when you, I live, you just got to be present with the thing because I lift competitively. It, then now I'm also analyzing and, and coaching as I do it. And you so I don't quite have the same mental escape and same like clarity creation through lifting yeah. as I do with those other things. Well, well, I think like with like powerlifting, like I used to powerlift a lot. And with powerlifting, when loads get heavy, you, everything is the fault <laughs> because one little move. Yeah. And it's not going to go the yep. way you desire. And so everything is like super yep. controlled, but you know, which is totally, I totally understand same way with snowboarding. One little, you're down mountain biking, one little, yep. you're flipped, right? It's just, those make you become very present in the moment of I'm here. I'm focusing on what I'm doing. Cause if my mind's somewhere else, I'm, I'm risking a lot. Right. Yeah. Well, and I definitely get that. But I think where where the main difference is with snowboarding or with like mountain biking now, like I don't give a shit. I never gave a shit about being better. (laughs) I just wanted to do it. Whereas lifting, yeah, I still want to get better. Like even though it's for different reasons, you know, it used to be to get better to get people to like me. Now it's I just want to I want to get better because I want to see where I can go. I want to see how much weight can I really put on the bar. And so there's a desire for improvement. Whereas those other things, there is no desire for improvement or change. It is just the experience. Yeah. And, and that makes the biggest difference in the world. Like when you just have like, fuck it. Like I just want to go experience yep. this. When you do that, like you're, you're yeah. fully in. When the experience is connected to an outcome, your focus yep. is the outcome. And then now you're no longer present. But, Yep, you're attached yeah. to the outcome. Which, you know, you may as well just be watching a movie now at that point because that's what you're doing. It's just in your head, not on the TV. Yeah. yeah. Because that weight is, when you put that weight on your back, that's a spiritual experience. Yeah, it definitely can be. I've had a couple of times oh, where. <laughs> yeah. You're just, you, yeah. I mean, it's life, yeah. it's life and death. Man, I had one. This past national championship, I, it was the first time I squatted 600 pounds in a meet. And it was fucking wild, man. Uh, there was like three, it was so slow. There was like three different times on the way up that I came to a dead stop. And like the third time it happened, I was like, oh, fuck, I don't know if I have any more in me. And the spotters and loaders are yelling at my ear, you got it, you got it, keep going, keep going. And I'm like, okay. I can keep going. I can keep going. And there's like a whole thought process going through my head the whole time through this whole lift. Like the first time I stopped, Oh, keep going. Come on, stay with it. You got it. And the same thing the second time. And that third time was, it was thank God for the support of the, the spotters and loaders really helped power through. But it was really neat for me to think about and unpack some of that. Normally when I have a, and I'm in a meet, I have no like visual sensor sense, no visual memory 
of a lift that I make or complete. Yeah. It's just black and all the physical sensations are there from a memory perspective, but not the, not what I see. This lift yeah. was the first lift that I've ever had in my life that I have visual memory of on a meet that I made successfully. Normally if I have visual memory, it's because I missed and I think that pulled me out of that flow state. But this got so slow that I was like in and out of the different states and therefore have all the full sensory perception yeah. memory of the lift. And so it's, it's cool. Like I, I don't know I'll ever have another lift that is as amazing and fun and cool as that experience was. Like it was just, it was wild. That's freaking cool. That's cool as crap. Like to be like, to get into that spot where, you feel like you've given it all, but there's still part of you to give. And you're like, where do I dig this up out of? Cause then you're like, you're in, you're experiencing the thing. And then you got to like, Oh, I got to cultivate something else. Something else has got to yeah. come up right now. And then I got to pull that out of me. And then somebody's going to yell at me and my, that's going to pull something out of me. And it's, so you're experiencing all different kinds of yeah. Yeah. inputs to push you to a different right. level. That's cool. And I think too, if we spin this around back to like, personal development and uh, masculine journey specifically like that's that's that focus that's that that masculine presence and focus persistence coming through and particularly in the mm-hmm. moment of something that's uncomfortable like no max effort squat is comfortable and i think about stuff from like <laughs> david goggins and his like extreme desire to embrace discomfort to find himself through the pain on the other side of running a hundred miles mm-hmm. like that is, that's the, that's the seeking of that on a, on a, on a deeper level that full, you can't connect yeah. with yourself as a man on the deepest level without going through and walking through that discomfort and being in it. That's it. It's the, really the only way to actually learn, right? You don't learn from winning. You don't learn from success. You just don't. Like if I woke up today and I made a million dollars as soon as I woke up out of bed and then tomorrow I did the same thing and I didn't learn anything. I don't know why I made a million dollars. I just did. I'm just going to wake up and there it is. But if I had to like figure out how to show up every day to create those things, go through the struggles of not having clients and having clients and then the yo-yo of this and that, I'm going to learn what works and what doesn't. I'm going to learn who I need to be. I'm going to learn how I need to lead myself. I'm going to learn how to do this. I'm going to learn how to do that. I'm I'm not learning it. Success is great. I aim for success. My fucking love family. Like I love it so much. My kids don't understand it. Like I tell them all the time, like, Hey, it's cool. Like you fucked up. Like, that's good. What'd you learn? Like, it's not yeah. cool. I was like, it is like you, you got an opportunity right now to be better right. tomorrow. Like if you went out there and hit and scored 30 points in basketball, my daughter plays basketball, you wouldn't know why you scored 30 points. But if you went out there and scored two, you'll know why you didn't score 30. Yeah. And she's like, that makes sense. And she's she so I like I instill that because I'm so I'm so addicted to looking at things that make me not be great. The, that's the one thing I like about the gym. Like, there, every day I know I'm going to do something that I suck yeah. at. 
<laughs> I'm just going to suck at it. There's going to be a weight I put on there. There's going to be a movement that I do that doesn't feel good. And now with my shoulder, everything doesn't feel good. And so it's like every day I know I'm going in there and I'm going to see what works yeah. today. Oh, that works today. That doesn't. Okay, yeah. I want to do that because it doesn't work. I want to see why it's yeah, not working. that's good stuff. And, and so it's just focusing in on like that struggle piece for the masculine is so important because it builds character. It builds learning experiences. Like if you're like every experience, I think the problem with most people is like we, if it's a failure or if it's a hard thing, we paint it as a negative experience. One, one to avoid. And so if you paint it as an, yeah. So if you paint it as a negative experience, you can't learn anything right. from it. And then you're stuck. Because you put it in a place. Yeah. You put it in a place like, I don't want, I don't want to do that. That didn't feel good. But if it's like, hey, it was hard because this. All right. That means I need to get better at A, B, and C. I failed because when I tried to stand up on the bike, I pushed, I, I, my foot fell off the pedal and I fell off. Okay. Next time when I stand on the bike, I make sure I have my feet on the pedals. Yeah. Makes sense. Right. Instead of, and so you start to look at things from a way different perspective, like looking at failure as a way to failure. See that it's just, you learn more from missing the squat than you did. Oh, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. You can see, like, it's just like the most incremental detail. Like you missed that squat because your, your knee popped out or you didn't keep your hips tight. Yeah. Your core got loose. You didn't squeeze your back right. Yeah. Like, oh, whatever. And so it's just different things. Like, you're like, it's a minor, it's like a tweak. You just turn the dial one notch yep. and boom, there you go. And I think the key is a lot of your coaching. I think the key for a lot of people as well is just we got to get away from this mindset of failure is a bad thing and look at it because, you know, like you said, when we, we got to learn the lesson and the lesson is in the failure. If we don't learn the lesson, we will continue to repeat the thing that contributes to that failure. And by virtue of wanting to avoid the experience, we'll just be recreating it instead of learning the, the yes. adjustment that we need to make to move forward so that we can be successful. And I think like there's so much in our yes. society that we, we, we only see the success stories and there's so much of it that we don't see beforehand. You know, I, I, like I recently listen to Will Smith's book, the autobiography. And it's amazing to think like you see one of the most successful actors to ever grace Hollywood and he does all this cool shit and makes millions and millions of dollars. And you're like, Oh wow. His childhood was fucking brutal. Absolutely brutal. And he also had a massive, he also had a lot of struggles even after he was successful that he had to work through. And it was just, it's really interesting yeah. to hear that. And that's one of the things that through all of this, we have to learn to realize that failure is a learning opportunity. And when we view it as a learning opportunity, we will stop repeating the mistakes that contribute to the failure so that we can be successful. Yeah. We are contributing. Exactly. They, people gloss over it. They, people gloss over success like, uh, they're just built differently. They're born different. They're just different right. than I am. It's that victimhood mentality like instead of you, taking responsibility. Yeah. Or it's 
you know, people, guys do this a lot. Like we, we make other, we make other men great. So mm. we don't have to be. Yeah. Like, oh man, he's fucking awesome. Look out, man. That joker is the best in the world. I don't have to be, he's already there. I don't have to work for that. And so you could get comfortable in mediocrity. But if you realize like how hard they struggle to be in that spot, like at, what was it? I don't know if it was, was it Michelangelo or Leonardo. One of them said like, if you realize how hard I work, you wouldn't, you would never think anything I did was beautiful. Hmm. I'm like, damn, that's, that's a lie. Like how hard you work at your craft. You would never think anything you did was great. Cause it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of attention to detail. It's a lot of discomfort. It's a lot of sacrifice to be great, to be successful. You just don't happen upon it. You just don't, fall in end up falling your lap like successful people are successful because they got comfortable fucking up a lot right and learning and they're so obsessed with going forward with that thing that they're not going to stop when they run in adversity Mm -hmm. they're going to keep fucking going they're not going to stop it's not Mm -hmm. a matter of quitting's just not an option at that point it's the old loud zoo term is he's like you you you're rigid in in your goal but be flexible yeah. in your methods mm-hmm. right like the idea of the masculine is like we have a forward focus of where we want to be we have to be flexible in how we get there and that means we're going to have to go through some rough spots we're going to have to fall down a little bit we're going to have to scrape our knees we have to get back up and, and rethink it and remaneuver and make an adjustment here and go there, but eventually you're going to get to that spot if you stay focused on it. But if you're not focused on it, like you don't have an intention of what you're doing, why you're doing it, then you're going to easily drop off. You're going to, because a man with a divided mind serves nobody. And so if you aren't focused on what you're trying to get to, you're going to find the next best thing. And then you're going to find the next best thing. You're going to find the next best thing. As soon as you fail, you're going to quit. There you go. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's all so solid stuff, Jim. And I look at the time. I realize we've been going a hot minute here. I really appreciate your time. I want to be mindful of that and and wrap up here and get you back to the rest of your day. Before we, before we take off though, I always like to end with the, your go-to self-care tool. We've talked about a a couple of different things, but I I think about the, the self-care tool, what it, what your go-to tool is, keeps your head right, keeps you in the game, keeps you connected with your masculine core um, how do what is it? How do you use it? How does it benefit people? Um, my, my go-to because I struggle with this forever. I told you about like always breaking mm-hmm. down the mountains, um, because I always wanted to get back to the top right. of another mountain. So I developed the thing is to be grateful where I'm at. And so every day when I wake up, when I'm drinking my coffee by myself and every day before I go to bed, I tell my wife, like we tell each other, but I just list like, like five things that I'm grateful for, like in my world that I thought I would never have. Nice. Because instead of looking at what I don't have yet, I started looking at my life, like where I grew up, nobody expected me to be here. Where I grew up in the family I came from, nobody expected me to go to college. Nobody expected me to make the money I make. Nobody expected me to have a family. Nobody expected me to live this long. Um, 
And so it's starting to look at like, I'm grateful for the life I have right now. Because the life I have right now is pretty awesome. It, can I have improvements? Yeah. And I will improve with that on that. But I'm never going to have the thing I want if I'm not grateful yeah. for the thing I have. And because if I if I if I'm not grateful for what I have, then I think I'm lacking something else and I'm going to go to the world looking for it. And I never want to feel that way. I want to feel like where I'm at right now, I'm good. I I got it. And I'm going to add to that. But I don't need anything. Yeah, that's a really awesome way to look at it. And I really like how that ties back into where you started the idea of being grateful for what you have, because if you're not, then you'll be searching for something outside of you. That was the, one of the core parts of the, the struggle in the beginning for you. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. And it's still, I have to think about it. Like, cause I know it's still there in that your, your wounds never go away. Like you can't go back and do surgery. I try to help people understand this all the time. Like, you were you developed these habits and wounds when you're one to eight years old. You're not going back. I'm 44. I'm not going back 36 years and and doing surgery yeah. on my eight year old self. I can learn what I did with that brain, and then I can do different with this brain, and so I yeah. can make different decisions. Is it still there? Yeah, but I can override it. And the way I override it is through gratitude, conscious, intentional effort, choosing differently. Yeah. Con- the conscious man. That's what yeah. it was built out of. I I lived my life asleep for so long. I just wanted to be conscious of what I was yeah, doing every day. I hear that. If people want to get a hold of you, where can they find you? I'm a little bit everywhere. Um, so I'm on Instagram as d.conscious.man. I'm on TikTok the same way. Um, my wife and I run a podcast called the Advance Your Life Podcast. So we get to do that awesome. together. It's really fun talk a lot about a relationship stuff, but it's, it's really cathartic for us. We just get on there and talk yeah. about all our stories. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> funny. Yeah. Fantastic. Cool. Well, I'll yeah. be sure to link that podcast in the show notes and put your social handles in the show, show notes for everybody to be able to find you if they'd like. And Jim, I'm super grateful for your time today. I really enjoyed it. There's a few, few nuggets of connections and neural pathways that wired for myself oh, yeah. uh, during our conversation. So I'm excited to go uh, explore those and put those into action and see what they do. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. I feel grateful that we had the opportunity to connect and, and get this yeah, taken likewise, care of. Man. You have a good day. You too, brother. Thanks for joining Project Unchained today. It's important to note that I'm not a doctor nor a licensed therapist. I'm just a guy who is passionate about helping empower others to break free from their limiting thoughts and beliefs to have extraordinary life experiences. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. That will ensure that this podcast can reach more people. We're more powerful together, so please do share this with others. I'm always happy to engage with you, so please do reach out via social media or email if you'd like to chat. A special thank you to my very talented cousin, Galen Lee, for the intro and outro music to this show. The song is Lost in the Woods from her 2018 album, Learning How to Stay. You can find Galen's albums on Bandcamp, Spotify, and violinscratches.com. Until next time, make your life experience extraordinary. Let's get unchained. Unchained.
Give yourself away.